If you would look with me in your Bible to the book of Ephesians to chapter 4. I was thinking as he was singing, Be Still My Soul. That's something we have to tell ourselves pretty regularly when we begin to fret. As Brother Wayne Camp used to say, get in a tizzy, worried about things of the earth, no matter what they may be. Sometimes we have to just talk to ourselves. Be still, my soul. God's still reigning. God's still in charge. Just be still. Like Moses told the children of Israel years ago as they approached the Red Sea, water on the front, Egyptian army, the most powerful army in the world behind them, Rocks on each side, what are they going to do? They were panicking. Just stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Be still, my soul. I want to read the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Be reading verses 1 through verse 16. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that, henceforth, that, that we henceforth, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working 
in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. My message this morning is a church without a pastor. It's something to consider. Next week will be my final Sunday as your pastor. And I wanted to bring this message to you this morning as a means of encouragement, but mainly of warning. Warning. There will be many changes, there will be many challenges to this church. I mentioned to you before, and I'll mention it again, when a church is without a pastor, it is very vulnerable and at its weakest point when it does not have a pastor. And again, I want to mention some things to you this morning to be aware of, be very careful during the coming time. First and foremost, always remember that this is the Lord's church. Brother McCoskey and I were speaking of this just a few moments ago. It's the Lord's church. The Lord's church does not depend upon one man or any group of men. It depends upon the Lord. Depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, there's going to be challenges. There are dangers. But just keep your minds and thoughts upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Always be looking unto Jesus. Follow the Word of God. There are many things that will come to your minds, may be suggested to you. But do not rely upon human wisdom or natural understanding. Rely upon the Word of God. Seek the Spirit's guidance in all things. Be in prayer. It's very important during the coming days that you pray individually and pray as a church. Pray for the glory of God. Pray that Jesus Christ will always have the preeminence here. And pray that God will reveal unto you whom He has chosen to be the next pastor of this church. It's already settled in the purpose of God. God already knows who it will be. Pray that He will reveal it unto you and guide you in the right direction. Again, just remember, keep your eyes and your faith upon the head of this church, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look in the book of 1 Peter and in chapter 5. Just a reminder of things I'm sure you already know. But I want to read in 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 4. 
1 Peter 5 and in verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. First, if you would notice the wording in verse And remember that Jesus is the chief shepherd of the flock. Jesus is the one who primarily tends to the flock. It's his flock as well as his church. Pastors, if you look back to verse 1, the word elder is used there. Elders are the pastors of churches. Elders are under-shepherds, subservient to the Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor, in verse 2, you'll notice, is the one who has the oversight over the church. But being very careful, as is stated in verse 3, to never overstep their bounds by becoming lords over God's heritage. Something very important. The pastor is to take the oversight of the church. Go with me to the book of Acts and in chapter 20. Acts and in chapter 20, it should be a familiar passage to you. Paul in verse 17, calls together the elders of the church. And he has some instructions for them. Now I'm not going to read it all, but I want you to notice what he tells them in verse 28. He said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Notice what's written in verse 28. He tells the elders, the pastors, the preachers, Take heed therefore unto, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers. We read in Peter they are to take the oversight thereof. But not in a way in which they are lords over God's heritage. We could say in just common conversation, the pastor is not 
the dictator to the church. He is not the ruler of the church, even though he has the oversight thereof. In verse 28, there's something there very important. It says, To take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, notice the next wording, over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers. Notice the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord is going to assign a pastor to a certain church, and I meant those wordings just like I worded it, the Lord will assign someone to this work. And the Lord will do it in such a way that He works on both ends of the spectrum. He'll work in the heart and mind of the man that He has already chosen to be a pastor of this church. But He'll also work with you. You will know, that man will know. You may encounter others that the Lord has not assigned. You don't know who it is till the Lord reveals it. But when that right man comes along, the Lord will let you know, and He'll let that man know. Almost 25 years ago, the church here wanted me to come here and preach. You, the church was looking for a pastor. And I did not think this is where the Lord wanted me. I was hoping, Brother Mike, that the Lord wanted me in Thailand. That's where I wanted to go. But the Lord never opened that door. And I did not think this was the place for me till that Sunday morning I stood in this pulpit and read my text. And then, I can't explain it to you, I knew. I knew that this is where the Lord was going to put me. This is where the Lord did put me. He let you know and He let me know. During that interim time there, I had a pastor from another state call me and he said, Do you think Central Baptist is going to call you as their pastor? I said, If they don't, they're making a terrible mistake. And I didn't mean that in any way with pride or arrogance. It's just that I knew. I can't tell you. I can't explain it. I just knew. In verse 28, is the, it is the Holy Spirit that makes one the pastor, the overseer of the Lord's church. But I notice in verse 28 that Paul tells these elders, first of all, Take heed therefore unto yourself. And then he said, And to the flock. For God called man does not first take heed unto himself. He will never benefit the flock of God. Take heed therefore unto yourself. He said in verse 28, Feed the church of God. 
feed the church of God. It should be, it ought to be, in all the churches, when the people come to hear the man in the pulpit, that they are fed with the Word of God, which is the sheep food. That's what we grow upon, the Word of God. It is a shame when people go to a church and leave and they're not fed. They leave hungry. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. Do you think the Lord's churches are precious unto Him? He purchased them with His own blood. And if they are that precious to the Lord, they ought to be precious unto every member of the church. Ought to be precious. The church. After Paul had said those words in verse 28, notice what he said in verse 29. For I know this, Paul had no doubt this was going to happen. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And then he goes one step further. He tells these pastors, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Paul said this is going to happen. Go with me to the book of Jude for just a moment. There's a group of people who I refer to as creeps. They're just creeps. You'll read with me why it is that I call them creeps. Jude, and I'll begin in verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ and called, Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This church has a responsibility and duty to earnestly contend for the faith. Never compromise an inch. Why did Jude write this? Why did he tell them that it was needful for him to write these words? Verse 4, here's the creed. For there are certain men 
crept in unawares. They're creeps. They crept in unawares. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude said, take heed. Take heed. Contend for the faith. You will be in danger from both without and from within. Be on guard. Be on guard. There's several things I'm going to mention to you. Jeff brought out some of these in our Bible study. If you were not here, you should have been, and you missed a good Bible lesson. Ephesians, and in chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through verse 3. Here is the duty and responsibility of every member of this church, especially during this time without a pastor. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Here is how we ought to live every day, no matter what the circumstance. But I'm going to emphasize, during this time that you do not have a pastor, this is going to be especially important to you. Satan is going to seek every opportunity to put divisions in this church. He will seek opportunity to destroy the peace of this church. He will do it and seek to do it from without, but also from within. Even as Paul told those elders, even among your own selves, there's danger. There's danger. Here's how we you are to walk in verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's going to be your duty and responsibility. Notice the first word of verse 3. Endeavoring. It's going to require an effort on every member of this church. That word endeavoring there means that this is something to pay particular attention to. It's something to be zealous about. But it's also something you're going to have to work at. What the word endeavoring means. It means put forth an effort to do this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Satan hates it when there is unity and peace in the Lord's churches. And he will seek 
to destroy that unity and peace. Look in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians and in chapter 1, keeping in mind Paul is writing to one of the Lord's churches. Here's what he tells them in verse 10. 1 Corinthians 1 and in verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It must be important for Paul to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That was a concern for Paul about the church of God at Corinth. He said in verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me, of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. It just ought not to be. It ought not never to be. There ought not ever be contentions in the Lord's church. If we follow the example that we read in Ephesians and in chapter 4, if we follow this, if we walk, as it says in verse 1, and then verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another in love. When I read that, my thought is, we have to just put up with each other. Every one of us has faults. None of us are perfect. We're never going to say the right thing all the time or do the right thing. We have to just put up with each other in love. Just love one another. As it says in verse 3, work at keeping the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And to do that, we walk with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in the bond of peace. In the coming days, if you as a church do not act in unison, there's going to be divisions. It's going to be all up to you what you do. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Many times, and I've seen this over the years, Brother McCoskey has seen this over the years in various churches, when a church is without a pastor... What happens many times is private conversations, even 
little private meetings where things seem to be decided instead of everything coming before the church. One of the worst things that can happen in any church. Make sure all things are decided by the church. Not by a little group. Not by one individual. Bring it before the church. Bring it before the church. It's, it's just something that is very important. Look in 1 Corinthians again. This time to chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There's a little short verse. But it's so important for the Lord's churches. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. That's how it should be done. The decent and orderly manner is to bring all things before the church for dis discussion and for decisions. It's not to bring things that are already decided by an individual or a group of you. It must be decided by the church. Bring all things before the church. It's the duty and the responsibility of this church to make the decisions of what is going to happen. Always beware of any one member or group of members who seek to make decisions for the church. The Lord's church is important. If all matters are brought before the church, no one member will feel like they're left out. Of the decision making. Bring it before the church. Never forget. The unity of the church. Keep in mind that all members. Of this church. Are equal. No one's voice. Is more important. Than any other member. There's equality. In every member. Of this church. Go with me to the book of 3 John. 3 John. You hardly ever go there. 3 John. And I want to read. Verses 1 through verse 10. 3 John verse 1. The elder under the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest, 
to the brethren and the strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diothrases, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he hath, hath which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Verse 9. Beware of Diophrases. Beware of him in this church. I will say again, no one member of this church has preeminence over any other member of this church. Be aware of one like this man in verse 9 who loves to have the preeminence. We have this Example, by the, it tells us the way that things ought not to be. It ought not to ever be that any member of this church usurps authority or preeminence over this church. Beware of that. In verse 9, he loved to have the preeminence. This man seemed to have taken complete control of the church. You look back to verse 1. Why do you think John wrote this letter to Gaius? Why is he writing to him? Well, the answer could be in verse 9, where John said, I rode unto the church. But evidently this man, Diophrases, withheld John's letter from the church. John said, I wrote to the church. But this man, he receives us not. So John writes to Gaius. And reveals these things unto Gaius. Think of who's writing here. The beloved John. The man who writes about love so much in the scripture. The one that seemed to have a special place with Jesus. John. He's always presented in the scripture as being meek and mild. 
You don't hear things rash like Peter would speak. But you do on this one occasion. If you look at verse 10, he said, Wherefore if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words. John, is, it seems, is saying, when I get there, I'm going to tend to this man. I'm going to take care of this man. In verse 5 through verse 8, this man refused the, the fellow laborers with John. If you read that carefully, there's some people that John said in verse 6, they've borne witness here of that charity before the church. He said, if thou bring them forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. There were some people that were traveling, some missionaries that were going out from John maybe. But if you look in, in verse 10 where he says, when I come I will remember his deeds which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, not content therewith, Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would. You got one man here in the church and he has taken control. One man has risen up and he is saying we're not going to receive these brethren. And he also forbids them that would. And he cast some out of the church. One man who loved to have the preeminence. It's going to be your duty as a church to be very careful. Do not allow any one man, woman, or any group to dictate what you can do, what you cannot do, what you will do, and what you will not do. Every decision, bring it before the church. You have the authority. You have the authority. It lies with you. You're going to be in a very special situation. A situation where Many churches might like to be. When I'm gone, Brother Lawrence Justice is a member of this church, a God-called man. You're blessed to have him. You're blessed to have him. He can guide you. He can make suggestions. He can make recommendations. But he cannot make decisions for you. Amen. It's the church. Amen. It's the church. There's dangers for a church without a pastor. Amen. The last thing that you need is a man like the officers or a group of men like that Amen. that want the preeminence. Guard against it. Guard against it. Avoid 
These things at all costs, they will destroy the unity of the church. I'm going to close by reading our text in Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians in chapter 4 again, verse 1 through verse 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Here's the duty of every individual member. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I put on the table out in the hall an article I found concerning a church without a pastor. You need to read that if you can. Things that you should be doing. And it just centers around praying for the church, praying for one another, seeking to keep peace and harmony in the church.